So well, sometimes rich doesn't mean money. Exactly. Yes. You know, there's Actually, a richness. Most times, rich doesn't. Right. Mean. There's a richness to your life, like for Scott making the beer and then stepping back and watching everybody in the tap room enjoying that beer and. Oh, yeah. And connecting over the beer, like, yeah, we're building something for us, but sometimes you have to pinch yourself a little bit because, like, people come yeah. here to our space to connect with each other and right. build their build relationships with one another over a beer and conversations. So there is a greater good in all of this, too, that, yeah. Welcome to the Craft Beer Travel and Adventure Podcast with Living a Stout Life. This is where we sit down with creative thinkers, on-the-road adventurers, and craft beer lovers. Your hosts, Ken and April, live, work, and travel in a 24-foot RV in search of inspiring stories around a great beer. Welcome to Sioux Falls, South Dakota. And the Craft Beer Travel and Adventure Podcast. That's true. But I bet you a lot of you are all like, where the hell is Sioux Falls, South Dakota? Actually, some of you might be, where's South Dakota and why are you in South Dakota? But you shouldn't be because South Dakota is a pretty cool state. Especially like a lot of people when they think of South Dakota though, they think of um, Rapid City area. Like Mount the Rushmore. South rest, yeah, Southwest area. Sturgis. Yep. Custer. Custer. Black Hills. Uh, what's a, um, the gambling town? Deadwood. Deadwood, that's the one. <laughs> I couldn't. <laughs> Deadwood. I was but, drawing a blank. There's but, a lot of cool shit in South Dakota. There is, but we're actually on the opposite end of the state. We're south, but now we're southeast in Sioux Falls. So we're kind of on the border, basically, of South Dakota, Nebraska-ish. Iowa. Iowa and Minnesota. Although they don't, all don't come together to that, that four points, but they're all really close. But we're there for a yeah. reason because um, I have family in Minnesota and South Dakota, in that corner. And, and they of course, live in the beer desert part of that. Oh my area. gosh. Oh my yes, gosh. Yes, they live in a beer desert. Craft <laughs> beer desert. No, not a dessert where you have like a lot of, you know. It's not a bunch of pastry stouts. No, it's not pastry stouts or milkshake IPAs or anything like that. It's a craft beer desert, which means there isn't any. Well, there's one. Like, like we were staying for a couple weeks. We stayed out at your dad's farm. And... The closest place was Steve's Bar. That is not a craft beer place. Which was awesome. No, it's not a craft beer place. The craft beer that they had was Grain Belt Premium, which is technically considered a craft beer now by definition, but it's really one of the old school regional beers that's just really, it is a, it's a cool beer for the area. It's fun. It's, you know, but it's not craft beer. No. It is, but it isn't. Anyhow, the closest <laughs> brewery, brewery from where we were. Okay, so here's the. So we stay outside of Trent, South Dakota. Nobody knows where that's at. It's in the middle of nowhere. You might know where Del Rapids, South Dakota Bunch is. Bunch of cornfields. But again, nobody really cows. knows where Del Rapids is either. No. Um, so we're. I guess the closest town is Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Um, and that is probably about like a 40 minute drive from the farm where we are staying. And then um, my mom and my sister both live in Pipestone, Minnesota, which is about a half an hour from the farm where we were staying. And from Pipestone, Minnesota, the closest brewery from there is probably in Laverne, Minnesota, which is, again, about, yeah, take 16. Good brewery. Very good good brewery. brewery. Which that brewery then is probably about a 35, 
40 minutes from Pipestone. Yeah. So, yes, Craft Beer Desert. Anyhow, <laughs> um, yes, 40 minutes is really not that far. However, when you just want to, like, walk down the street, it'd be great. But if you drive to Sioux Falls, there's actually a craft beer scene there with breweries that you could park your car in one area and walk to, like, what, three or four different breweries. And that I think would, it was even more than that. I mean, a, well, you could yeah, walk to that. Yeah, it was quite a few. But then you also have, in addition to that, a couple of, like, beer bars. Damn good ones, too. Yeah, Monk's Ale House. So, really good. Yeah, so actually, we kind of talk about this in the podcast. Um, we did do an interview. Believe it or not, we did talk to somebody else besides us. But um, <laughs> we talk about this in the podcast, too, is... Where was I going? I don't oh, know. Oh, that Sioux Falls should actually be something that you kind of think about as... Maybe it could be a destination place to go to breweries. It's, I mean, it's up and coming. There's nine... Eight or nine breweries there? At least, yeah. 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 And so before we actually so get... So they basically matched Mississippi, pretty much. There's about as many breweries in Sioux Falls as there are in the state of Mississippi. You interrupted me, but I'll go with this. But I yes, did, Sioux but, Falls. Yeah, Sioux Falls is a population of around 200,000 people, and it's a, a city in air quotes here, in South Dakota, which has about the same amount of breweries, like you said, in the entire state of Mississippi. Quick question. Yes. Do you know how many, what the population of Mississippi is? I don't. So I got to look it up. I got to know. Because um, there weren't a lot of people in Mississippi, at least from when we were driving through. But, whoa, surprisingly, there are actually about 3 million people in Mississippi in the entire state. Yeah, and like 11 breweries in Mississippi. Anyhow, we are sidetracked. You sidetracked me completely because we're not talking about breweries in Mississippi on this podcast. Yeah, we're not. We're talking about breweries in Sioux Falls, South Dakota on this podcast. And where I was trying to go was trying to say that there were how many, like maybe nine yeah, right breweries in a town eight, nine, of 200,000 people. Is that correct? And those breweries, I don't want to, hopefully I won't miss any because I wanted to list the breweries. Is We should probably list the one that we're talking to first because we are getting ready to talk to Melissa and Scott from Severance Brewing Company. Yes, fantastic little brewery and... Um, Scott is actually president of the South Dakota Craft Brewers Guild too, right? Yes, but was, anyhow, we're getting we're anyway. going to talk to Melissa and Scott from Severance um, shortly. But before we do that, we also kind of wanted to briefly talk about the Sioux Falls beer scene. So then, in Sioux Falls itself, there's like Severance, Woodgrain, Covert, Obscure, Remedy, Lupulin. Lupulin though is isn't they aren't they don't they have a, another brewery in Minnesota? Yeah, I believe if if I don't have my facts mixed up, I'm pretty sure they started in Minnesota okay. and then they decided to open a tap room in a Sioux tap Falls. room in Sioux Falls, which they also brew in Sioux Falls. They're cool. they're not just shipping beer over there, but and then uh, Fernson, and then Looks, and then Granite City. And Granite City, too, is kind of like a chain brewery. But again, they have several locations. But again, they do brew on their locations. So it is a craft brewery. Kind of, yeah. Like, kind of like, like contract yeah. brew kind of stuff, sort of, eh, kind of. Yeah. They, yeah. But anyhow. So it's a legal schmeagle thing. I don't think I missed <laughs> any of them. So that no, would be I don't think one, so. two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. And then okay. along those same kind of lines, there's, oh, I'm not going to name it. Okay, the the one that really started a lot of this though is Monk's Ale House. They've been there for a long time. 
Right. But there are a couple other beer bars, too, that I just cannot think of off the top of my um, head, so I don't want to discredit them. But you'll just have to go on your own little Sioux Falls brewery tour and include the beer bars that are there as well. Um, just stay tuned to Living a uh, Stout Life because we will be doing an entire like write-up on all the Sioux Falls yeah, breweries. Monks is definitely the one to pay attention yeah. to for sure because they're the OG. They like Before the breweries really kicked off in Sioux Falls, Monks was bringing what they could they were getting good beer from wherever they could get it and bringing it to Sioux Falls and that kind of inspired a lot of these guys that started breweries in Sioux Falls to start those breweries because they were tasting this great beer and there were a lot of home brewers and you know they finally said hey wait why don't we make yeah. good beer here yeah and they did well, and then, you know, what's really cool, though, about Sioux Falls being kind of so small and a lot of the breweries liking to or wanting to be in that downtown district mm-hmm. um, is that I would say half of them you can probably just walk to. So I would say pretty close because you've got Covert and Severance and Remedy and Fernson's downtown tap room. And then Monk's is right there. And Monk's Ale House is down there. I mean, you can easily walk to all of those. So it's your own walking brewery tour of Sioux Falls, South Dakota. And for all you people who are RVers out there, I mean, you all know what South Dakota is. If you're like (laughs) full-time RVers, it's, you know, that's where you domicile. And so, you know, just come to Sioux Falls, take care of all your stuff. And we talked about that in the podcast, too. No state income tax in South Dakota. Just saying. And good beer. And then actually, speaking (laughs) of good beer, Sioux Falls isn't the only place in the state, surprisingly, if you're... You shouldn't be surprised. But like we were talking about the southwest corner of South Dakota, too, just has like Hill City area and Mm -hmm. Rapid City area has tons of like vineyards and wineries and breweries as well. There's a lot out there. And then all this is it. it, It's surprising, but it shouldn't be for as long as we've been doing this for over four years. How many small town breweries are out there? So even just outside of Sioux Falls, there's tons of like little not tons, but little farm breweries out there um well across are, the state yeah yeah like so, just you go to a little town of you know anywhere from a couple thousand to twenty thousand people whatever there's quite frequently a brewery in that town yeah and it's like the local hangout place so don't forget to don't discredit the little towns that you're driving through sometimes those are the places that you actually want to stop and spend some time in and not just zip through them so you can always holler at us, say, hey, what is, you know, what is Living Stout Life say? Send us an email, ask us a question, send us a, you know, Instagram message, whatever, mm-hmm. Facebook message, text us, our phone number is yeah, everywhere you can find us. Yeah, you'd be really surprised. It's, it, you know, like the biggest thing that surprised me, like we've been going to Sioux Falls for a while because your family's around there, but we honestly hadn't focused on the beer scene there until just now, really. Be- I mean, we'd gone to a few breweries, but... But, but we'd spent most of our time with family and stuff. Yeah, but it's also probably because we haven't focused on the brewery scene there because you kind of just make an assumption that there really maybe isn't a huge brewery scene there. And yeah, True. nine breweries, I mean, I don't know. I Maybe it's not. That's wrong because nine breweries in a town of 200,000 people is not bad. No, it's pretty good. I mean, it doesn't sound a lot like a lot when you're talking about Asheville or Denver or Portland or Seattle or whatever, where there's tons and tons of breweries. But there's also a lot more people in those areas. So there's actually relative to the number of people there, there's quite a few breweries. But the thing that really struck me when you go to the different breweries is that there's a lot of variety there. 
Like, mm. and, and what I mean by that, too, is that most of the breweries are not duplicates of each other. You know, they're all doing something different. You know, Covert, who we also did a podcast with that we're going to share with you guys in, in a few weeks, um, they're very different from anybody else in Sioux Falls. And, and Severance does stuff quite different than most of the other breweries and um, Obscure you know, or, and even Fernson too. They all have a little different take on what they do and what craft beer is to them. So they form this cool little community of craft breweries in Sioux Falls that even though there may own, so like somebody who's used to a big city full of breweries, even though there may only, I'm trying to do air quotes here without you being able to see it, <laughs> but only like nine breweries in Sioux Falls, there's a lot of variety and a lot of character to those breweries. True. So maybe we should like let Melissa and Scott tell their story so we get to know their characters more. That was April's very kind way of saying I'm talking too much. No, it really wasn't. It's just that we do need um, to transition into the actual people that we want to talk to. That's true, too. But I do tend to talk too much. So you're very right. We should let Melissa and Scott, you know talk about severance and and obviously with scott being um the president of the craft brewers guild we got to talk quite a bit about the beer scene not just in sioux falls but in south dakota in general so pretty cool cool uh, but before we go just stay tuned afterwards because we have an announcement to make but you have to stay tuned for after the show maybe we'll surprise you maybe we won't but you have to keep listening all the way through Okay. I don't. I don't even know what's going to happen. So I am as intrigued as anybody right now. All right. Well, we'll let you talk to Melissa and Scott, and then yeah. So here they are from Severance Brewing Company in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. So we're here in uh, Sioux Falls, South Dakota. I guess I consider this kind of my hometown because I was born in Del Rapids. Um, I actually I have a story. Before we get real quick, because I was okay. just driving down Minnesota <laughs> Avenue, I think, and I was like asking Kenny, oh. I was like, "What street are we on?" He's like, "I don't know." I'm like, it yeah, just I'm looks. Like, just following GPS. You know? <laughs> I'm like, it looks familiar. And then we pass by this mechanic shop that has this big Mr. guy. Mr. Bendo? Yes. Yep. <laughs> and I was like, I knew that was the street. So when I was in kindergarten, I remember driving by that. And we were, my friends and I were both terrified of that thing. And we would like cower on the floor of the back seat of the car when we drove by that <laughs> That's funny. So he used to be on Cliff. Cliff. And oh. a different company, actually. Like, so I think that company closed and bought Mr. Bendo, and now he's on Minnesota. Okay, so maybe it was Cliff then, but it's the same guy then, right? It, it is, is the same, same guy, okay. yeah. Just yes. at a different company, yeah. So it's the same guy that used to just terrify me when I was five years old. Oh, my gosh, yep. that's yeah, funny. Yeah, because he used and to I, live over off Cliff or some, yeah, somewhere over there, I right? think so. I remember yeah. when we would visit uh, my aunt and uncle down here, we would always drive by Mr. Bendo, and it was, that was like the highlight of my trip, actually. Yeah. I, didn't, I didn't cower, but... Yeah, I cowered. <laughs> but he's like not that big. It's funny. Okay. Now that I'm in my 50s, it's just not that big a deal anymore. <laughs> I'm not hiding from him. But Anyhow. Even, even Minnesota Avenue, though, has changed a lot yeah. in the last several years. Yeah. So I don't remember a lot about it at all. And actually, once we get into this more... So, by the way, we're here with Melissa and Scott from Severance Brewing Company in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. And so once we get into it more, I'd love to talk more like the beer scene and absolutely in Sioux Falls. And mm -hmm. even in the state, because it's uh, up and coming. It really is. Great. It is. Yeah. Yep. There's a lot of good beer. There's a lot of things going on here. Yours is the best, though, right? Nice <laughs> <laughs> smile. Of course. <laughs> so, I don't know, maybe tell us your story, kind of the, the story behind Severance, where you came from, the name, because there's so much behind your name. Sure. Oh, yeah. There yeah. It is. 
do you want to start with, I guess, the Christmas gift? Yeah. So um, craft beer for us started our first year of marriage. Um, Scott was just starting to get into craft beer. And so I thought, oh, cool, there's a beer making kit at the store. So maybe he can make his own craft beer. So for our first Christmas together, um, 13 years ago now, uh, 14 years ago, yeah. I bought him a Mr. Beer homebrew kit. And so that is kind of what started his love for making craft beer. Little did I know that so many years later, here we are with a full-blown brewery, but um, it's been kind of a fun ride. Um, and then the whole name behind Severance, I can let Scott kind of tell that. Yeah, and with that Mr. Beer kit, so that at least the first kit that I produced on that was god-awful but <laughs> it kind of opened my eyes at least to the fact that oh I can actually make beer at home it's something that I had never even considered you know Do you remember so, what the beer was it was just their regular pale ale like okay. I, I don't know what the name of it was but it was just the the pale ale but I mean you get with that kit you get it's it's malt extract they give mm -hmm. you like five pounds of sugar to throw in it and then it's already hopped, so like there's really oh, not much man. you can do to it, right? So, but at least like yeah. it opened my eyes to oh geez, I can actually make some of this at home. Um, so I got that for Christmas, and um, we pops the first ones open I think for Super Bowl, <laughs> like that that year. So I made the little kit and did it for Super Bowl, and then after that though it turned into like an obsession. So by the my next Christmas and birthday, then it was like okay, I want to get into all grain brewing and. Okay went from you know five gallon batches on the stove to 10 gallons in the garage and then we moved out to uh out by renner um which is about a mile north of straw bale winery where some of the other pieces of this puzzle kind of come to together but um but out there then i had a fully automated 10 gallon system and you know it, it's basically a small version of what i'm brewing on now right um but so then from there um Melissa actually was working uh, and doing some freelance work as a graphic designer for Strawbell Winery that was just just a mile down the road from us. And um, we were talking with Don South, the owner out there, and we I, I was nerding out on craft beer at, that night. And he's like, you know, it's pretty obvious you have a passion for this. Like, have you ever thought about actually trying to pursue it full time? And I had not. Um, but started looking into it. this is what 2011 i think if memory serves like january of 2011. so started honing honing down on on a business plan and trying to figure out where we might want to go and um at that point in time th we actually had a letter of intent in to sublease a space um, which is now where Mackenzie river is downtown here um, but it used to be an old flower shop. They had a giant cooler downstairs. Um, they had a giant like warehouse slash garage area that would have been perfect for either setting up the brewery or at least storage space. Um, and then an upstairs area where we could have put the bar. So we had that letter of intent in and, and um, they basically, one of the caveats in there was we had to get approval from the city before we were gonna move forward with anything. Right. And at that time where the kitchen for Mackenzie River is now, used to go up those steps and to the right hand side was a music studio and this is before craft beer is known to be what it is now right so the city just assumed we were going to be opening a bar there's going to be drunk people around all the time it was a children's music uh, studio well yeah they so did children's so they said yeah, there's no way that we're going to allow kids to be unsupervised right next door to an entrance for the bar 
right? right? So they said, nope, like, that's not gonna definitely work. don't understand yeah. what a brewery is all it, about. Dude. Back then, there was, I mean, it was <laughs> there was no, no yeah, real concept here, of craft yeah. beer around here. Were so, there even any other breweries open yet? At the time, no. No. Fernson, no. Woodgrain, none of those guys were Monks, open yet. So. Monks is a beer bar around. Yep. Yeah. But, yep. but not yeah. not to the extent of a, a brewery. Is. Right. right. So that was the only thing that they could have had to gauge on, and to them, it was still a bar, right? So. Um, so then while we were waiting to try to find a new spot downtown at that point in time, you know, we had just had a, a one-year-old at that mm-hmm. point in time. Um, and I got a, a raise at my old job and it was one of those deals where it was like, okay, um, let's just maybe put that on hold. Let's take care of the family first. And, and that went down the road a little ways. And thank God it did because when Mackenzie River took that space over, they pretty basically condemned the building and they had to oh, gut wow. it and rebuild it from the inside out so it would have um, been a much bigger project yeah so we, we likely <laughs> would have never even opened because we would have run out of capital as we were trying to, to get everything yeah because yeah, at first you're probably thinking stupid money like you're offering me yeah. money then i have to keep it and you're like i wanted to do the brewery and you yeah. i would imagine you're a little kind of upset and like feeling yeah. a little down about it yeah. and then it turns out it worked out yeah, yeah. it, it worked goodness. out thank yeah and, and thankfully it did go out that way so um but in the meantime then, so I started kind of working my way up at, at the uh, the bank that I was working at there. And it was one of those deals where it was like, the, the higher up you get, the more money you make, the more stress you have, and the more I disliked what it was I was doing. And um, made the mistake of going into management for a company <laughs> that large. And at that point, you really start to realize that you're, you and everybody that is working for you is literally a number on a spreadsheet They and, and your salary associated with it and it, it's an opportunity or a, a risk, right, to the company as far as you sitting there on their balance sheet. I'm envisioning most brewers listening right now thinking you were genius because you were working your way up to where you could just give yourself a loan to open the brewery. That was what <laughs> we were kind of intending to do, yeah. <laughs> You're at a bank. Most of them left. Other, most brewers leave other jobs that have nothing to do with being able yeah. to finance. Them. Well, it's, it is funny though. So anyway, I, yeah, even though I was sorry. in banking, I was in technology, and it's okay. it's actually, and you guys have probably found this too that a lot of the people that open breweries either come from some kind of chemistry mm-hmm. or or scientific background. Like there's so much engineering and math and stuff that goes into brewing that. I've I found so many computer engineers that yeah. somehow make their way into into brewing, but. Um, but so as I was doing that, I'd, I had been there for about 11 years or so, 10 years, I guess, at that time, and wasn't happy. And Melissa said, you know, I'm tired of you kind of coming home from work. I was being mopey and grouchy and, and working <laughs> late night hours because we were interfacing with people from Singapore all the time. So it's like, oh, okay. you know, I'd work from 6 to 5, then I'd get home and work from 9 till 10 or 10.30 at night, uh, you know, just working with the folks in Singapore. So. She's like, I'm tired of you kind of being grumpy all the time. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was one of those deals where, so I have my own company where I do branding and design, and I love my job, and it didn't feel fair that I never dread a Monday. And I was like, that's right. to dread going to work every week or every day and come home and just feel completely drained. I was like, that's not a way to live your life. It's exhausting. Yeah. So there was one night we're having beers on our deck in the middle of summer, and I was like, I think it's, I think it's time we revisit your business plan you don't want to spend your life hating what you do so yeah so then from there um it it really just became kind of let's put a five-year plan together um and this was what 2017 
So we're, we're saying it's 2022 now. So, you'll, yeah. <laughs> but let's put a five-year plan together. Let's figure out how to fund the brewery on our own. You know, so we don't have to take out too much for loans. We don't have to necessarily bring on like a bunch of investors and all that. Um, and and um, started working towards that. So we got the Dave Ramsey book and we started oh, okay. doing the snowballing our debt and yeah. all that. And, and we did get everything paid off in, in about two years, except for our mortgage um, and had saved up during one of those years. We said, okay, everything that I make at my job, we're going to, we're going to keep and live off of everything that Melissa makes. We're going to put into savings because we know once I leave that there could be some rough times where we're not yeah. going to have a paycheck. And, um, so we, we put that plan together and said it was going to be five years. We'll have enough money put together that we can open the brewery. Well, in in that time, like three more breweries had opened up in Sioux Falls or around the area, and we're like, God, this, you know, that this it's going to be saturated by the time we hit 2022 if we don't open soon. So we accelerated that plan, um, found another couple to come in as as business partners with us, um, who uh, unfortunately have we've since bought them out, but. Um, but we, we basically by 2019 then had everything together and I left my job April 1st of 2019. We say that I, we created our own severance package essentially, right? Is, is really what the name comes down to leaving corporate America, kind of cutting, literally cutting ties. Um, mm -hmm. and I used to wear to work all the time <laughs> and, um, and just starting something new. So, um, that's our own severance package and so I left in April we did the build out here ourselves so everything you guys see inside all of the the woodwork the tile work um, all the framing all that stuff was done by us with the exception of plumbing and HVAC and electrical right, stuff you yeah yeah so um, so we busted our ass to get the um, the brewery and stuff ready at least by it was the end of June brewed uh, non-stop from June through the end of August and we opened with 11 beers on tap. We had like three more waiting in the wings. <laughs> and, um, and then we had our 12th tap, which was our ambidextrous hitchhiker, our first sour is what was voted to go on. That went on three or four weeks later. So, um, but yeah, so within four months, we, done, we had done the build out, brewed all like 16 beers and opened on August 2nd in 2019, yeah. so. He didn't eat or sleep for about four <laughs> yeah, months. I can only imagine. <laughs> and then, of course, you're like, so things went well right out of the gate. I mean, was business good? Business was very good out of the gate. I mean, mm -hmm. that first day that we opened, we had we opened at 4, and by 2.30 or so, I think we started getting a line of folks ready to come in. Um, but then we hit, we had a good August decent September and then started getting into winter in, in South Dakota. Where we're at, we were in a brand new up-and-coming area and people didn't know that stuff existed this far north on Phillips Avenue by Falls Park there. So it was, it was a rough winter, but we got through it, started getting into February where business was finally starting to turn around a little bit. And Fe then February of 2020, we need to clarify. Yeah. Yes. We so all know where this yeah, is. Yeah. <laughs> hit, so. yeah. We yeah, business started picking up. We were super excited to finally have our first full summer as a brewery. Right. And then our dreams were crushed on like March 13th of 2020. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, guess what? You guys get to shut down. You don't get to have yeah. anybody in your tap room. We did at least get to have beer to go. They did allow that. Yeah, yep, yep, they did allow that. So um, us, along with four or five other breweries in town overnight, you know, stood up 
online platforms to sell our beer that none of us had even considered as oh, yeah. as necessary at that point. And scrambling yep, at that point. Yep, going, yeah. Okay, how do we do this? Yeah. <laughs> and then you got into the crowler shortages that everybody yeah. ran into because everybody had to pivot to beer to go. And so yeah, it was it was a very it's bizarre. Bizarre <laughs> first six months there of, of twenty twenty. But and were, then were you guys canning right out of the gate? No. Or, or was no. that was it even on your radar it, to it, be canning at any mm, point soon? Or? Not at all. Um, we in our business plan and obviously things have changed a little bit in the market too but in our business plan we said you know we'll kind of figure out what our flagships are we're we're out of a 3300 square foot space but only about a thousand of that is dedicated to the brewery so we didn't really look into full canning lines or those types of things so what we figured would happen was you know two three years in we'll if if we build up enough of a following then we'll look at maybe contract brewing and having somebody else brew and can our beer for us just to get started until we right. can like really prove that out. But yeah, by August of 2020, I was looking at our balance sheet and looking at, you know, what if we have another fall, yeah. you know, like we had through the spring where everything gets shut down again. And, and it's like, we got to diversify. So we invested in a small two head canning line where literally you know, our old partner, Mark and I would stand there for hours on end mm, filling yeah. two cans a minute. <laughs> You know, oh my one by one, seeming <laughs> and um, and and just doing that. And and the quality, we didn't have a, a ton of control over the quality on that, but at least it got us into market and helped kind of diversify a little that a little bit. And since then, we have invested in a, a little bit better, fully automated canning line. It's still a small scale, but yeah. one where the quality is actually much better going forward and fully automated and doesn't require like two of us to be standing there all the time so so are you still then running like your own marketing graphic design kind of business or are you full-time yep. now yeah yep. so that's my full-time job and then I help do the marketing and design here okay. for severance too so you're still working full-time and helping with this yeah and you are only working here and still brewing I do so I do all the brewing and then do all the CEO fun stuff right so all the bookkeeping yeah. um, get to do all the fun TTB paperwork for the federal government and taxes and employee payroll and all that kind of stuff. So, fun might be the wrong word for like payroll and things <laughs> like that. But <laughs> are, are you still having fun, or do you feel like you're getting your stuck in another cubicle again? Kind of Definitely thing. not stuck in another cubicle. And to this point, I I have not dreaded or regretted coming into work at all. Right. However, it's definitely been with all the twists and turns we've had over the last three years since we've opened we just celebrated three years and with all those twists and turns I mean it feels like it's been about 10 years yeah and, and during the summer months right now I mean I'm working way more than I was at my old job um, and not getting paid hardly anything anymore but we're hoping that that'll kind of turn the corner here as we continue to grow and but how does it feel does it feel the same though as your old job or does it no it's so much more rewarding a lot more so much more rewarding better? right now and, and working towards just something for ourselves really is, yeah. is what it comes That's down to so kind of like the whole thing the whole, our whole kind of conversation too is like when when our youngest is going to go to college our whole plan was to move to the mountains in Colorado but it didn't work out and I couldn't find a job that I needed to be as a teacher and like just being like stuck kind of thing and I was kind of pissy about why am I relying on somebody else telling me if I can find a job or not? I'm like, I have yeah. to figure out my own kind of thing. And we're like, well, what are we going to do if we can't move to the mountains like we had planned? And we listened to some podcast about somebody living in an RV and we weren't RV people at all. And we're like, what? You live in an RV? So then you kind of reassess like, <laughs> yeah. everything. Yeah. You're like, well, what are we going to do? So yeah, we 
kind of work more. I mean, although drinking beer and talking to you guys <laughs> on the podcast really isn't this doesn't feel all that a lot stressful. Of yeah. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> there's a lot of editing that goes on, a lot of behind the scenes, a lot of things, and we're not getting rich off of this. But there's so much more that you feel from it. So well, sometimes rich doesn't mean money. Exactly. Yes. You know, there's Actually, a richness. Most times, rich doesn't. Right. There's a richness to your life, like for Scott making the beer, and then stepping back and watching everybody in the tap room enjoying that beer and and connecting over the beer like yeah we're building something for us but sometimes you have to pinch yourself a little bit because like people come here to our space to connect with each other and build their build relationships with one another over a beer and conversations so there is a greater good in all of this too that yeah and that's that's what we've always said too about it is like beer is about more than just the beer yes the community that's around it and people that you meet and like there's so much more than just that beer yeah yeah Yeah. so the reward for it all is definitely is definitely there yeah and one of the really cool things in in our space with where we're at here with four floors of residential above us is that there is a really good group of regulars that comes down that i mean it's almost like a cheers type of situation yeah. <laughs> right where there's I would say there's probably between six and eight of them at any given time depending on who stays in the building and all that but right. you know they'll they'll come downstairs and it's oh where's Zach today or you know I mean it like so I mean it's just really cool yes. that way that they all come down they all hang out together and then between them and our staff I mean they go out and hang out then together after work right, oh, right. so um, it's really cool that way too. So before you guys opened Severance, did you get a chance to go to a lot of other breweries? Did you like? Did you enjoy visiting breweries and all that? Yeah, we used to visit breweries a lot. And in fact, like I always wanted to go back to Mexico for our 10 year anniversary, but we spent that going down to Omaha and touring breweries <laughs> to get ideas for Severance. Um, yeah, and so we. <laughs> mostly like anywhere we travel we try to like go ahead up the breweries of course but we intentionally went and visited like des moines omaha minneapolis um all over denver area denver um and i would take a little notebook with and i'd write you know while we're drinking the beer and experiencing their different environment of each brewery you go to um what you like what you don't like what you like what you don't (laughs) like um what you could expand upon to make it your own um, and that sort of thing. So we got a lot of ideas from touring and researching at other breweries. So how many breweries have you been to since you've opened Severance? <laughs> Not nearly no. as many. <laughs> yeah. And unfortunately, well, we, don't, we did that collab beer with our buddies across town. Right. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah we, don't, we don't even get around to the local breweries nearly as much as we would like to. But no. <laughs> Yeah, it's just yeah. Uh, that's it's a, a different beast. That's a time, but yeah, yep. a time thing. <laughs> and our kids are older and busier too, so it's a little harder to get away. Um, yeah. It's life, life yeah. changes. Like yeah, that. It, yeah, it does. Yeah, but we kind of joke too that we've talked about in our retirement years we're going to open a brewery, but we've learned so much about all the different breweries that we visited. We're like, do we really want to? <laughs> I mean, it's a lot of work. <laughs> yeah, but we are taking notes. So, like we take yep. notes on flights and how they're presented. We take notes on yep. if something sticks in a flight or what the bathroom looks like. Or yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Everything. So I want to back up a little bit because there's a question I want to ask you. On April 1st, when you were quitting, what was going through your brain like, or your emotions or like what was really happening there? Because you're starting something that yeah, probably your entire life savings is going into this thing. Yeah. Well, and like so the interesting thing was that um, the folks that I was managing at the time were located in Singapore, Irving, Texas, or Jacksonville. So it's not even like my team was here. Um, so I did like a quick conference call with them. We kind of did our final farewells. Um, apparently they, 
enjoyed working for me more than I thought they did. <laughs> <laughs> or at least that's what it came off as. But, um, but then, yeah, I, I literally left there, even though it was my last day and I probably should have stayed a little later, I left at 11 o'clock that day and I had brought a pair of jeans and a different t-shirt with me and came right down here and started framing with my dad that <laughs> afternoon. So I had no, no even time to like to even process what was going on plus we had announced so we had announced this back in 2018 when we signed our lease um so a, a year before we opened we had the lease signed on this place when it was still just concrete on the first floor and um uh, jody schwan with sioux falls biz um had caught wind of it because she works directly with lloyd properties and was immediately reaching out to us for comments and, and wanted to publish a story. I'm like, well, crap, I can't, I can't have her publish a story and then have my boss actually read that story and find <laughs> out about this, like, you know, through that. So, so I, I had to, to tell my boss at that point in time, back in August of 2018, that, hey, by the way, I'm going to be leaving in like eight months. So they and I had eight months basically to prepare. So you, had, you had a little bit of time. I, I mean, there was a lot of time to adjust ahead of time. But on that, that day, it was literally like, okay, I'm leaving. I'm changing clothes, and now I'm getting to work, like real work. So, you you like, it maybe wasn't, back. Yeah, it maybe like wasn't like a serendipitous. Like, I'm out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we had that drive over from the bank. And, uh, <laughs> that, was, that was literally about it. And the bank is only like five minutes away from here, so it wasn't even that long of, of a cool-off period. But. So then you do a whole program too with like severing ties and you have something on your on your website too like a whole like highlighting other people who have severed mm -hmm. their ties. Yeah. How did where did that idea come from like how who, So who yeah, part of to that like part of the the whole thing with creating the severance package and and then just kind of we we said it was like severing the tie that I was wearing at work all the time. Um, but from there we we've, we've turned it into kind of several different things here. One, if you go into the tap room walked on the hallway that leads you to to the restrooms but then also all of our um, beer doodles y you'll see there a mural of a hophead cutting mm -hmm. his his tie wearing you know a white button down with a black tie that is literally a picture of me yeah. cutting my tie and then literally. we had we had a local artist come in and, and put the hophead over it so that at least anybody at that point could envision themselves right as right. that person severing ties mm -hmm. um but then we've since turned it into a severance package where you, uh, for our anniversary, you, you buy into the package. It's basically a crawler club, right? So you get okay. one crawler a month, get your t-shirt and get, get a, um, a anniversary glass. But then part of it is we throw that tie up on the wall for the year. And then when we come to severance day is what we call it, our, our opening day, then you get to cut your tie and it, it either can represent something that you're doing as a change in in your life or just something that frees you i guess from maybe your day to day it could be a, it could be leaving a toxic relationship it could be a change in attitude a different mindset you maybe it's a career change but i think everybody experiences experiences cutting ties in some way at some point in their life and so it's something i think a lot of people can relate to um, and so that's kind of where the whole severing ties yeah. comes in. And then you created the severing ties spotlight. Yeah. And so what you're referring to on the website mm -hmm. is our severing ties spotlight. And so that to me was just a way to get other people involved and start sharing their stories and putting a spotlight on their stories because I think ours is, while unique, it's also 
you know, there's probably a lot of other people out there who have some really interesting stories. And so we just try to find people who have something similar, you know, most of them have been leaving corporate jobs to pursue something that might be a little bit less stressful, pursue something they're passionate about. And then we just share their story on our blog. We put it in our email, our weekly email. And then we also you know, put it out on social media. You got to feel somewhat ahead of the curve. Like, cause like this whole big, like everybody's quitting their job. The right? great the resignation. Great, the great yeah. resignation. Yeah. It's like, you're kind of, uh, maybe it's your fault. You guys, yeah. you guys started this whole, you guys got to sever ties. And so it's like caught on bigger than you thought. I don't know. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's one of those deals though, where something like, like the COVID pandemic makes yeah. you kind of reassess what actually is important, you know? Yeah. I think that's a huge part of what's going on is just people going, wow, what if? I yep. mean, that was a big what if moment for people like, wow, where's this going? And like, exactly. Yep. What do you mean the state shut down? It's like, <laughs> what are you talking about? What is that? But How does I that even look? I have to say, so many people wait till there's some something really drastic in their lives that scares the crap out of them yep. to change anything. And it seems to me like you were kind of just, we have to change this now. You didn't wait for that like pain point that really right. pushed you to do it. And so many people wait for that. And so it seems to me like, you, again, ahead of that curve of figuring yeah. it out and doing something before something like scared you. Yeah. So yeah. that's that's impressive though, because a lot of people don't, they need that push. Yeah. I think for us, for me, it was more just like that real, and maybe it was getting into my thirties. I don't know. I started having this perspective of life that like, wow, I hit 30 really fast. 40 is gonna be here before we know it. And then I'm 50 and then 60, we're gonna be thinking about retiring and it's like, we have to do this now or what if time runs out you know that sort of thing so I think it's just instead of settling for the status quo and oh life's comfortable maybe we'll do this someday it was like no let's let's walk the you know walk the talk that we've been having like talking about this dream we have of a brewery so let's do this not to get too crass or anything but but, um we have some group of friends of ours that are always just like talking about like you do this someday or someday this is going to happen or someday so we we're all like f someday yeah (laughs) yeah yeah we actually have a didn't she even do like an instagram thing for she like totally just went with the whole thing on like someday we're doing it on they actually got a license plate plate approved (laughs) this whole someday thing is not happening (laughs) we're doing it now I think we need to name a beer that yeah. F someday. There you go. <laughs> or at least forget someday. Forget I know someday. a bunch of people yeah. that will try really hard to get here to get some of that beer. <laughs> but So what about you, Melissa? Did you ever have a job before your business that, like, you worked the grind and, like, it was just a job job or... Um, kind of, I've always loved what I've done. Um, but I have, I remember even back to the days of college when I was, I was working for a different corporate bank (laughs) over in Marshall, Minnesota. I was in their marketing department there. And I remember sitting in the break room and talking with a friend of mine in college. And I'm like, this seems terrible. Like I don't see myself sitting in a cubicle from eight to five Monday through Friday for the rest of my life. So I've always kind of known that like an office job wasn't for me. And so shortly after getting my first like full-time job out of college, I had started freelancing on the side doing graphic design work. I never thought it would be my full-time gig, um, but after having a couple kids and really wanting to have that flexibility to be a mom and not, you know, be working for someone else and paying a daycare to be with my kids more than I could be with them, um, 
um, then eventually I did, I kind of built up my clientele and was able then to just jump ship and, and do that on my own. All right, who likes beer better? Or who likes beer more? Hers are gone, so. That <laughs> <laughs> means she likes it more. Well, she drinks faster. No. <laughs> I think I had smaller pours, but. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely Scott. Yeah. I love beer, but I'd say it's definitely yeah. So who, who's like the one that like just wants to have a really good beer and just drink it and not analyze it all the time? And who's the one who's analyzing it all the time? You too? Analyzing. Yeah. I, I oh, do yeah. analyze, but yeah, after you have the first one, then you can just relax and have, have yeah. some more. <laughs> there are definitely times like that when you're in the business with beer. Like you're just constantly analyzing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And oh, yeah. But then well, there are the times that you're like, I just want a pint and I want to sit back and talk to people and just drink the beer. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And that's, that's the issue is, is as, especially for me as the brewer, the first thing you do is, okay, how's this beer? If, if I were to do it, what would I try to do different? Right. Or how would I maybe improve upon it or something like that? Mm-hmm. So, or, or even one of those where, how could I do this? Like I had never really thought about that before, but, um, but yeah, so I, I analyze typically the first couple sips and then I just try to enjoy it. <laughs> is it easy enough to turn your brain off? That? It is, yeah. 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 All right, so we're talking about beer. We're drinking beer here. We are. Beautiful little beers. Yeah, Tell so us. The, yeah, the first one uh, that you guys are drinking there. So we, back in 2020, um, height of, of the pandemic, um, I had gotten a little inspiration to try to twist things up with um, with our sour program. Um, so I just started looking up different cocktail recipes and I found a trend where they were like, they had herbs in, in several of them. So I was like, well, let's do a summer herb project. Um, okay. And we've released six of them now, um, but this was the second one that you guys are drinking, Summer Herb 2. Um, and we that was our highest rated one that we've had so far, seemed to be enjoyed the most. So we decided to re-release it for our, our severance day last Saturday here. So. Um, strawberry, vanilla, and basil. The strawberry and vanilla comes through really nice. Um, and then that basil is just kind of a, it's not overpowering. Like you d- yeah. don't want to get it to the point where it's almost like pickle juice or something like that coming through. But yeah, um, but yeah so you, you get that nice kind of just herby, kind of herbal kind of, of note to it. But it's also yeah. not a pucker your face in your cheek sour either so right, I was quite right. pleasantly surprised yeah and that, that vanilla I think is, yeah. is kind of helps round that out a little bit yes. so it's not quite so sour but no that's great too and I like that you used vanilla instead of throwing in like some lactose or something because yep. it's like and we do in some of ours but yeah that one that one we do focus more one, on the vanilla it balanced really well it gives it that kind of creaminess to it that strawberries and cream yep. kind of yep. feel to it a little bit without being over the top that direction yep. either it's really good beer so does your crowd like your fans when they're coming in are they looking more for like your flagship beers or do they like it when you're rotating a lot of different beers it depends i guess it depends i think there's a good variety i think the ones who come for the flagships are very loyal to the flagships um the db cooper um they just shorten it to db like they need their db (laughs) that's a double ipa um then the love notes too but We have one one gentleman that lives upstairs. Um, he came in one of our first weeks that we were open. He tried the DB Cooper, and he said, "Every time I walk in, I never want you to ask what I want. Just start pouring that." <laughs> <laughs> that cheers moment. Right? Yeah. Like, but then you get new beer tenders in here that haven't met him yet. Mm-hmm. Oh no. And he's he's got a very dry sense of humor, which you grow to love over time. But he'll walk in and they'll be like, well, "What can I get you?" He's like, "What do you mean?" 
Like, <laughs> you're, like you're just supposed to know this, so apparently we need to include that in our training manual. <laughs> I mean, hey. As long as he's living yeah. here, he's going to be no. included. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, but then, yes. yeah, we do get the folks that we have, we, we tend to be, our, our coffee beers and our sours tend to be very good sellers, and you'll have got you'll, you'll get the folks that come in as soon as we do a new release um, of one of those that are in here that day to, to make sure they try it. But I was just going to say, so you guys are pretty a pretty big part of the brew scene, and early on in the brew scene for Sioux Falls, have you seen the brew scene change a lot since you opened yet? Or has, I mean, I know that's kind of a tough question on anything for the last three years because two of right. those years were just annihilated yeah and and you did see unknowns. i think during the pandemic you probably saw some of us get a little bit more competitive with one another than maybe yeah. we used to because i mean it, during the pandemic everybody was scrapping just to get through but there was there's just a survival. lot of camaraderie though i was gonna yeah. say yes and no i don't know that i see that division as much from my perspective but during the the pandemic i mean i think the fact that all of us breweries are still here and a lot of us are very new breweries and mm-hmm. the fact that all of us are still still here and all of us survived is kind of a testament to how we kind of help each other through it and um, the craft beer scene in Sioux Falls in general but. yeah and you know another brewery spotted us some crawler cans because ours wasn't here yet and we were completely out of like we had no way to get our beer out of the tap room because we were we weren't obviously planning to go to all cans yeah. Um, so they had found a supplier of crawler cans and spotted us, you know, half a pallet to get us by till our crawlers showed up. Um, and so it's just like things like that, that you, you almost get goosebumps over, like, you know, yeah. we're competitors, but we all want each other to succeed, in, you know, to some degree. So it's, I, I think I saw a lot of ways in which we kind of grew together as a craft beer industry through, so, yeah. through the pandemic. The one thing too that I'll, I'll add on that though, prior to the pandemic, is that while we were in our in planning for Severance, um, you know, I would reach out, and a lot of the breweries around here started out as home brewers too. So we all, a lot of us knew each other from that kind of a circle. But um, I don't know any other industry where I could call up somebody that is going to be my competitor right and and as i'm sitting there he's like okay in in a year and a half this guy's gonna be competing against me where we could sit down and actually talk about hey what would you do different um what's working well for you like what what should i watch out for um and i sat down with at one point i sat down with almost every brewery that was operating at the time and had those types of conversations and we've paid it forward to to other folks that have opened as well but um that was one of those things where I don't know another industry where you would sit down with somebody yeah. and, and be able to talk candidly like that and not feel threatened or that you need to hide something. Or That does seem very unique to brewing. Yeah. Like, I haven't run across much else that has that same feel. And, I mean, you were talking, somebody spotted you Crowler's cans, and it's like I'd, I've even seen as big as, like, Oscar Blues was buying cans for people, offering to buy cans for, like, local Fort Collins breweries. Because... They could order in such a large amount with their, you know, canarchy yep. that they could get extras. Yeah. Whereas yeah. some little brewery was like, oh, I can't order, you know, half a million cans or whatever. Yeah. So well, especially with especially with the recent changes with that that Ball Corp put into play, where yeah. I mean, that's that's even hurting our our biggest breweries in Sioux Falls because they, oh, although they're the biggest that are around here, they're still not at the capacity where they can take five truckloads of cans at a time, you know, right? Um, and prepay for them and all that kind of stuff too. So it just it uh, and 
then you yeah. got to put them somewhere. Exactly. That's <laughs> Where just are it. you going to yep. store five truckloads worth right. of cans? It's, it's like, like, I can take a truckload, or they, they could take a truckload. Right. I cannot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, in the closet? <laughs> right. They can handle one, but definitely not five. So, yeah, it's, yeah. That, that was a challenge for sure. But um, outside of that, though, I mean, it, you know, we, we all kind of we survived the pandemic, and you've seen a couple couple breweries that have chosen to go down the route of we want to be big into manufacturing so they've they've gone from just focusing on their tap room and then and going into full-scale you know 30 barrel system and canning lines and trying to get all across the state and into multiple states um, and then I think you've seen some some others of us that are let's focus on growing our tap room and then if we are going to expand it's more so trying to expand into into maybe other tap rooms or other areas where but not necessarily in package distribution supply right. some kegs or something yeah, or yeah. so so we're looking more at it that way and, and i'm actually i'm also president of the south dakota state brewers guild oh. um so i i've seen that as well and, and just from the state's perspective you know i mean we're up to about 44 operating breweries now um 30 Four of those right now are members of the guild, so we've got about three quarters of the breweries in the state that are all members, and and um, I mean we're just continuing to try to to grow the craft in South Dakota in so general. So. Cool. This is a cool question that I can really I was going to ask it anyhow, but now it just completely makes sense. So there are a ton of destination cities out there for craft beer, like Denver. People go there specifically for beer, yep. both Portland's or San Diego or whatever. Asheville. Yep. Yeah, or Asheville or um, yep. why should Sioux Falls be some considered? like a destination beer for craft beer. I mean, our, our craft beer scene here has grown exponentially in the last six years. Um, and the quality, and I think that as more of us open, it pushes us to try to innovate a little bit more, make sure yeah. quality is up there. Um, so, I mean, I think we've got, we've got great breweries in Sioux Falls. Rapid City does as well in that yeah, area. Um, what but else is there to do in this state? It's like yeah. farmland. <laughs> I mean, that's <laughs> I hear a lot. Like, really, Sioux Falls? Like, what's in Sioux Falls or what's in South Dakota? But I mean, There's like, a lot going on. what, what a you'll lot. see in Denver, right, or you get into Fort Collins or those areas, right? And and you've got you've got areas that are focused on maybe more of the traditional styles. You've got those that are focused on on wild beers, right? And and Sioux Falls has a really good mix of that. Where you get downtown here, and Covert is doing you know primarily wild ales, and then we tend to just kind of while we have our flagships and stuff we tend to just kind of do whatever um but then you've get, got others that have more of like that kind of more traditional beer style so a um, little bit of everything in sioux falls area and then you can get actually out of town just a little bit and you've got guys like lee at, at a homestead brew that you know he focuses on kind of that farm to table type of thing so he's growing his own hops he's growing his own fruit um, doing wild fermentation on a log flume out in his uh, out in his pasture so um, I mean there's there's literally a little bit of something for it's everybody it, well here, like but. and yeah and so the farmland for example like there's so many great farm breweries that yeah. are all around yeah. and that's a really good reason to come out and then you hit like a city in air quotes like Sioux Falls is big but it's really not like no. mm -hmm. you don't have the traffic to deal with when you're looking for the breweries um, there's a lot going on here yeah yeah, traffic to us, I mean, I get mad when I got to wait, like, you know, get across town, it takes me 20 minutes or something like that. It's a bad traffic day. <laughs> <laughs> well, and an, another thing for, like, fellow RVers and stuff, too, is, like, I don't know if you guys know this, but South Dakota is a huge domicile state. So when people move into their RV, they have to have a state that they, like, call home, and they don't have any connections anymore. And South Dakota is one of those states where people, like, if you see 
license plate in a big RV. Like, it doesn't mean they're from South Dakota. They've just <laughs> They've got a P.O. box here. here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because of what? No state income tax? Is that no correct? State no state income tax. No state income tax. So, yeah, when, when all those people draw. come in to, like, you know, do their doctor's appointments and get their cars done, tags, and all the stuff that they need to do, what you would normally do at a stationary home, you come to Sioux Falls, you visit all the breweries, you take care of all the business. <laughs> there, there you go. go. There you go. <laughs> yeah. But one of the big things that we focused on, even though we are very limited in the space that we have in our brewery, was to make sure we got a hot liquor tank um, that a lot of the, the downtown breweries don't have at least a hot liquor tank where they can capture and reuse water. So they're they're doing everything on demand, but then all their cleaning water and all that kind of stuff is also just coming directly out. So for us, we're you know we're able to as as we're chilling our our work down going into the fermenter, we're able to recapture that water and um, make sure we use it in subsequent batches of beer or use it for cleaning. Um, so for any given batch of beer on our seven barrel system, we're probably saving about 210 gallons of water um, on average for, for every one of those. So that was one of the big ones. Um, and for people that don't know, water's the biggest thing. I mean, that's a lot of water goes to waste in beer. I, I can't remember the, the stat, but it's some like so per most, gallon. It's yeah, most breweries and, and people have really taken note of this and try to improve on it and right. and if you're doing things like filtering or those types of things they're obviously much more water intensive as well as you're working through that but um, yeah most of the time it takes around six to seven pints of water to produce one pint of beer right. is, is kind of where where those numbers have been and um, breweries have been trying to get that further and further down the last time I did our calculation we were actually just under five five gallons of water per gallon of beer so we're, we're doing pretty well here on, on that level. But um, we, we do also, we're very conscious of, of where the temp of our hot liquor tank and stuff is sitting. So we'll, we'll cool that down. If, if I, it's an off week, let's say, you know, we're going to make sure we empty that out or, or at least cool it down to like 140, 150 degrees. Then we'll bring it back up to temp as needed. But um, we also, um, it ties into a couple different things. One is, is turnaround time of beer. But the other was uh, not having to actually rely on our glycol chiller as much. Uh, so we have purposely chosen to use what are called Kvike strains of yeast, which came from, from Europe. Um, they've been in use for hundreds, if not thousands of years. But um, so those, those strains came over to the US a couple years ago. And unlike your traditional uh, Chico strain that most breweries would use for like a pale ale or an IPA, that have to sit at you know 67 or so degrees and you got to make sure you keep that temperature cooled down um, with these strains we're able to pretty much let them run wild so we're fermenting normally at about 90 degrees fahrenheit um, for most of our beers um, all of our flagships uh, with the exception of a pilsner and our wit because if we did let the wit go it would get really really phenolic-y and, and not be very good but um, so we, we do uh, make sure we, we use those yeasts wherever we can, and that allows us to really reduce the use on our, our glycol chiller. And they turn the beer faster. They turn too, the beer right? much faster so. too, because they'll they'll get down to final gravity, um, you know, in in three to four days versus having to do like six or seven days of, of traditional fermentation. So um, those have have really helped us out a lot, and that was part of what allowed us to get through, you know, eleven beers on tap when we, yeah. we very first opened. <laughs> yeah. But um, what else do we do for sustainability? You can cut this piece out as we are going through, but I'm trying to remember um, off the top of my head. 
like most breweries, we also focus on you know recycling. Um, we try not to use plastic glassware if possible. Um, some you know like for our Severance Day party, it, it was just too busy, so it's you have too much. Yeah, it gets me too much. You're out on the sidewalk and stuff. And yeah, yeah. 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 Um, Folks out in the grass and by the back parking lot. We there, just but. got some new um, curbside recyclable um, cardboard four pack carriers can carriers um so mm. we're testing those out oh, to, cool. uh, to see how those go but that would be another step in the direction of being a little bit more sustainable yeah so we work with local farmers to provide the spent grain to feed their cattle we've teamed up with some of the local bakeries they make um spent grain bread and then the hops so he has done a couple versions of our regifted love notes where he actually brews using recycled hops from right so love notes. so for those um there is an interesting article and we're not the first to do this um but there was an interesting article in craft beer and brewing where um they were talking about how you know especially with the hazy ipas where folks are, are dumping just tons of dry hops in especially yeah, so that so. that you know less than half of the oils are actually absorbed into the beer at that point and the hops right. fall out or fall to the bottom and then they just sit there and most of the time you're just discarding them but there's still a lot of good oil left that can be used um so what what we do with the regifted series is we'll actually wait until it's going to be the final pitch of that yeast for love notes that, that we do, um, which uses the, the Hornendal Kvike strain. And um, we'll wait till it's the final pitch and we're getting ready to, to next time we brew that beer, we're gonna do a fresh pitch of yeast. Um, so what we'll do is on those is actually um, brew another hazy IPA. Um, we'll pump it in directly onto the yeast, but then also, you know, typically 20 to 30 pounds of hops that came from that last batch of love notes the, those first hops, the first hop addition basically for that dry hopping is going to be in that beer at that point in time. So we're actually taking or trying to take a good amount of that oil that's left in those and get it into that next beer. So it helps us from just a sustainability perspective, but then it creates a much more affordable hazy IPA right. and, um, you know, because you, you got all those hops in there already. But it's, it's kind of a, like the old the Belgian table beers and stuff where they would brew a big beer first or running English, second running strong yep, English yep. ales where they'd brew a big beer and then there was so much starch and sugar left in the grain they'd brew a, a weaker beer after exactly that. yep yep and really max that out it's so yeah a cool idea and and we've we've had good luck with them the two beers that we've done so far using that method have turned out really well and and get good, decent reviews so do you have to do something like completely different for that beer though it's like it's going to be a one-off beer because you i imagine you can't really know what you're going to get out of that for sure. not always and yeah you, it, it you has probably have been a good idea but and we have time. used two different kind of so that we've done it twice one we called regifted birthday cards the other was regifted love <laughs> notes um but they they both use the same yeast and the same hops off of love notes so at least we get that piece of it but yeah we changed changed all the kettle and whirlpool hopping, um, changed up what was being used in there. And then we would completely change then after that first quote unquote biotransformation hop addition, um, we would at that point then start dry hopping with different hops on, on top. So it would change each time. But. All right, well, we have to start wrapping up. 
We probably should. But before yeah. we wrap up, I want to hear about this other beer that we're drinking. Yeah, so it's a hazy IPA. Yep. Correct? The other beer that we've got here is uh, Emo Eighth Notes. It is a, and the name. <laughs> a a hazy. Yeah. I, so I'm a musician as well. So I've the Emo Eighth Notes has always been like, oh, it'd be kind of cool to name name a beer after <laughs> that. This podcast isn't ending yet. Now we have to start talking <laughs> about <laughs> music. <laughs> and Melissa designed a really cool label around that. It is but, a really cool label. Um, the so I knew I, I wanted to use the name before the beer. So at that point, I was like, okay, okay how do I kind of reverse engineer the beer to fit the name? And uh, with that one, what we ended up doing was eight dry hop editions that are evenly spaced. <laughs> okay. Or not, I'm sorry, not dry hop, but whirlpool editions that are evenly spaced, two minutes apart, um, with equal equal uh, uh, amounts going in. But um, this one, uh, I what I really like about it, uses a lot of Michigan copper which comes from one of our local hop growers here. So, you know, a, a lot of what hops uh, can be grown around here um, are the ones that a lot of folks don't necessarily want at the moment. They're not the super sexy, like super tropical, um, citrusy types of hops that are really popular for your hazies and that type of thing. Um, but what Troy has done is actually worked with um, Glacial Lakes hops and um, they actually do have a lot of those that they've released that he can buy into. So he's he's focused a lot on Michigan Copper, Mackinac, and some of those other types of really citrusy, fruity hops that that does allow us to actually use those in our, our hazies. So. That's cool. Yeah. Like it. Tell us br briefly about your music career. Uh, it, <laughs> ended, it ended mostly... Um, <laughs> What? Uh, when we when Opening we had kids, no, when we have kids, because uh, I so I, I grew up playing drums and was in a band with my dad for my entire high school and most of college, um, and so we would go gig together on the weekends. And then when I got out of college, came to Sioux Falls and joined a, a band that did covers, but then also a lot of originals. So we actually got to record an album and. Sorry, we were gigging a, a lot. So it was like, if I wanted a night off from gigging, I had to let them know three months in advance. Oh, yeah. Otherwise, <laughs> it was every Friday, Saturday night until, you know, three in the morning, we'd get home at like four, and then you'd do the next thing the next night. Um, and then it was always Wednesday night practice. You wouldn't get home till midnight on Wednesdays. And so it was one of those deals where I, I made a deal with Melissa that was like, well, when we have kids, we'll, we'll pause some of the, the tour, you know, touring and gigging for a while. Right. And He does actually get to play, so we have a lot of musicians here. Um, we like to support the local music scene, so our taproom manager, Ross, <clears throat> plays bass. Oh, cool. um, another one of our um, regulars uh, is a phenomenal singer and guitarist, and then Scott will come down with his, like, djembe or something. And djembe and cajon, so and just do an acoustic set. So a couple cool. times they've all played together here at the brewery, which is really fun. Oh, and then one of our beer tenders, Kendra, um, she also plays violin. So you oh, throw that wow. in, and it, it's a mix for a really, a really fun night. Awesome. We did <laughs> a really, really cool rendition of um, My Hero from Foo Fighters, oh, wow. yeah. and she threw the, the violin in oh, on top, and it was, so it was gorgeous. But um, And actually for Foo Fighters, they unfortunately with Taylor Hawkins passing yeah. they canceled the concert here in September so we're trying to work on a Foo Fighters tribute night that would have been the night of that concert um, oh, so we're gonna release cool. like a Foo Fighters inspired inspired beer and then we're gonna try to do like a, just a big cover night that night for all Foo. When so is it, that date? Uh, it'll be September 19th okay. if we can get it if get it truly planned out. So. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds awesome. That would be really cool. Yeah that'd be really really cool. All right, so I know you got to get going, but really quickly, you have to think like foot on your feet. Are you guys ready? Uh -oh. yep. Each of you. All right. Okay. 
Okay, this is I hate, I hate the, uh, yeah, <laughs> quick fire, rapid fire round. <laughs> it's just one question, and you're going to answer it about her. And uh, So oh. I'm pointing. You, you know, listeners can't see me pointing. Scott's going to answer the question about Melissa. Melissa's going to answer the question about Scott. Uh-oh. So if she, so based off of her personality, her personality, if she were a beer, what beer would she be? Now you have a chance to think about that because you have to ask <laughs> about him. Answer it about him. It can, it can be a beer. It can be a style of beer. Yeah. I don't and I don't want to name the wrong one. Oh, come on! <laughs> we'll say Love Notes. And that actually, the name Love Notes, um, the, the name was used to be longer, but and she gets really mad at me about coming up with really long beer names. It's a marketing nightmare. Um, <laughs> but Love Notes was originally called Love Notes on the Bathroom Mirror because it's a hazy, and I was coming out of the shower one day, and my uh. mirror was fogged over, and I'm like... You know, writing a love note on the on the mirror for the next time it fogs up that you see it come out, oh, and uh, yeah, so that we'll we'll say love notes. Oh, that's so sweet. Oh. <laughs> um, for him, I know he likes IPAs, but I feel like don't take this the wrong way. <laughs> a pilsner, just hard working beer at the end of the day to relax. Um, hard to please. No, <laughs> no frills, no frills. Basic pilsner, I think, is okay. what I would best say. Im- In the best me. possible way. No, I like that. That's great. That's exactly what I was. Yeah, it's okay. It's it's, it's hard cool. to be a good pilsner because that's the beer that every brewer judges every other brewer. That's true, on, right? That's what I was just going to say. You yeah, how good's your pilsner? Yeah, you can't hide behind anything. It's you a cannot. clean You're, beer. Yeah, you are what you are. <laughs> and everybody's going to see it. Yeah, yeah. we can say for now. Cheers to severing ties. Yeah, right. yeah. No ties. Get rid of those nylons and ties yeah. and everything. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Thanks, guys. So, you know, when we went into that podcast, into that interview, like one of the things I was excited about was talking about just the name Severance and how it came up. Because I felt like this kind of a kinship, I guess. Because I, th- I think probably a lot of people who go full-time RV would get that kind of severance yeah severing ties and cutting ties and you know making the choice to do something different than just the typical here's what you're going to do for your life because this is how it's expected to be and there's nothing wrong with that if that's what you like if you're enjoying what you're doing it doesn't matter if you're doing it at a desk or punching a clock or being a ceo or whatever the hell you're doing being a weekend warrior I don't care if you're happy doing it then you're happy doing it and that's fine but I do think there's something to be said about stepping outside of your comfort zone a little bit and trying new things and doing new things and and trying to find something bigger and better even if it's no matter what it is I guess because it's that's going to be different for everybody but that was a really cool tie-in for me (laughs) to seventh I wasn't even trying to pun. I wasn't even trying. (laughs) Come on. That was good. But that was really cool, too. I like how um, Melissa started the... um, You guys should all check it out on their website, The uh, highlighting the people who have cut ties and severing ties and highlighting those that have changed something in their life that they needed to change. So I like that idea, how she's highlighting their customers that have done that. And like she said in the podcast, too, like whether it's just changing your mindset or severing 
a toxic relationship or changing your entire yeah. life by switching careers or whatever. So, but I like the way that they're highlighting their customers with that as well. So that that's pretty cool. Yeah, sever 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 those ties, baby. Nylons too. Nylons can go out the <laughs> damn window. No <laughs> that's nylons. What I think with the ties and the nylons. I don't know. Whoever the hell invented all Just that crap. Forget about dress codes. Anyhow. Anyhow. Okay. Yes. Uh, sever those ties. But don't sever your ties with us because we need to hang out and like chill out. And Oh, speaking of that announcement. Oh, yeah. You have your big surprise announcement. What the hell's going big, on? I need to know. Big surprise announcement. Breaking news because I'm, I'm in the dark here. I don't know what the hell's going on. Okay. So for those of you who have not been listening to our podcast ever and you're brand new, this is a huge announcement because it's about <laughs> Camp Carpe Diem. It's the coolest adult camp ever. For those of you that listen to us religiously, this is not a huge surprise. However, what the surprise is, is it is coming up soon and we will sell out. So if you are considering coming to Camp Carpe Diem, the coolest adult camp ever where we get together and meet community of travelers and drink craft beer and go to breweries and go mountain biking and um, learn about photography and go on these beautiful hikes. It's in Asheville, North Carolina, Asheville Brevard area of North Carolina this year, October 20th through the 23rd. And oh my goodness, October is like right around the corner. It's kind of freaky how fast it is. It's coming up. Summer is not over. I don't want to hear it. It is. No. Summer's um, dead to me. However, if you're on the fence about <laughs> if you're on the fence about showing up, um, just buy the tickets. Show yes, up. she's not BSing you. It is literally we're within a handful of tickets of selling out. Yeah, and it's worth it. It's so much fun. We're gonna meet so many great people. Um, and even if you honestly, even if you're not like into mountain biking. And you're really just want to like meet a community of travelers. This is it too. We have so many different types of people coming. It's really cool. So sign up now. C-A-M-P-C-A-R-P-E-D-I-E-M dot com. That's all I got to say about that. All I can say is I'm blown away by your surprise announcement. Right? Mm -hmm. Uh Mm-hmm. You should be. Freaked me out. Okay. Very cool. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Oh, wait, wait. Wait, what? I was going to say something else, but I forgot what I was going to say. Oh, also, you mentioned, too, that we have uh, Covert Artisan Ales coming up there from mm-hmm. um, Sioux Falls as well. So they'll be coming up on another podcast. Um, yeah, hit up those small town breweries. They're really great. Oh, and speaking of, I just kind of feel like we should tell you where we are right now because we're in small town. We're outside of Gibbon, Minnesota, which is also outside of New Ulm. Yeah, we're kind of... I guess about halfway in between the two. Yeah. So another, okay, small town breweries. Talk about yeah. a small town brewery. Not really, but yes, this is in a small town uh, Shell's Brewery. Okay, small town brewery, <laughs> not small brewery. No. It's the second, well, it's the second oldest family-owned craft brewery in the United States. Yes, besides the but first I, one, which is Yingling. I, I don't remember exactly where they fall on the how big a brewery they are, but they're pretty big. They're in the top 10 of craft breweries in the United States. But that's really why we kind of went this way. We're heading towards Milwaukee to see some friends from Malt Europe. Just, you know, give a shout out to Malt Europe Malting Company. But that's really kind of why we stopped through New Ulm is because we're like, oh, wait, isn't Shells around here somewhere? So, right. And, cool. and at the same time, on the opposite end of the spectrum, we didn't even know this, but as we got close to where we were going to crash out here, um, we found out in Gibbons there is a new brewery called Whitwort. 
Yeah, right? it's and Gibbon is a Whitmore town brewery. of eight hundred people. I think so. Yeah, yeah. around eight hundred people. And, they, and the brewery just opened in like two months before we got here. June, like early June. Yeah, so about two two and a half months before we got here, yeah. and so really new brewery. Um, Making pretty good beer, um, decent beer. I'm not going to say it's the best beer I've ever had in the world, but it was definitely good beer and fantastic people and a fantastic ambiance there. Really cool small town brewery to hang out at. Don't discredit the small town breweries. Do not do it. Yeah. It would be wrong. On that note, we've been spending a lot of money on beer lately. You guys should buy us a beer. (laughs) Seriously. Or at least follow the podcast, subscribe, share it with your friends, all that good stuff. And, yeah, thanks for tuning in. You're right. We and we'll out. see you at Cap- Camp Carpe Diem. Camp Carpe Diem. If not before then, we're heading kind of, where are we going? Ooh, we're going to the Upper oh, that's Peninsula. that's true. We're going up going... towards the UP, down through Michigan, towards, like, Columbus. So Hopefully BrewDog. Yeah. Give us a shout out. We'll see Say, you hey, on. See where, follow us on Instagram and stuff and see where we're at. Never know. We might be able to meet up for a little beer get-together. And we'll see you on the way to North Carolina. Cheers. Cheers. Peace out. We'd love to hear from you, so keep the conversation going. Send us a note, share a beer recommendation or two, or just say hey. This Stout Conversation has been brought to you by livingastoutlife.com, where you can find community and resources for all your craft beer travel and adventure lifestyle needs.